Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Space for Life. Uh, I'm really excited today to have my good friend Steve Perkins here. And we go way back with podcasting to the beginning of our illustrious podcasting <laughs> career together. Yeah. Uh, I guess it was probably four or five years ago. Yeah, I think five. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I know. Uh, in this. I always tell people it was that one of those breakfast meetings that we were doing regu regularly at the time. And we always, <laughs> it's, it was so arrogant. It was born out of arrogance. We both loved our conversations so much. We were like, man, we should just turn on a mic and put this on a podcast. Like <laughs> our yeah. conversations are so interesting. Yeah. And then we did it. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of funny, but it was also cool. A lot of people have said that that was um, yeah. something they enjoyed. I kind of never thought of the podcast as being born out of arrogance. <laughs> it's probably people want to listen to us. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> it's probably true. So yeah. anyway, uh, well, I'm so glad to have Steve here, and we've we've uh, we've had such rich years, and I'm going to let you tell a lot of the story uh, with all of that. And I have such an admiration for the work that Steve is is doing and how he's grown and the impact that he is having in this area and beyond. And we'll hear a lot more about that. But I think this is also going to be a, a great uh, conversation that we have about uh, the real stuff of trying to find balance in busy lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get into that also. So this is going to be more than just kind of Steve's story and, and journey and his greatest hits <laughs> types of things. I think it's going to be hopefully a, a real yeah. honest conversation about what it's like to find balance in the midst of purpose, in the midst of relationship, in the midst of busyness. How do we do that tactically? So yeah. I think it's going to have a, a going to be a great conversation. So I'm going to let Steve kind of begin. Uh, many of you that are listening to this uh, know him and know his podcast and know his work at Greenhouse. Uh, but for those who don't hear a little bit more of the backstory um, of Steve and what connected us and yeah. what's brought him to this day. Sure. Well, uh, yeah, my my growing up, which was a, a great upbringing, and I was into sports and music and had a great family, kind of lived, I, I grew up in Michigan, mm -hmm. um, and just a lot of good memories from growing up. And uh, But I, I do think back, and I'm, from the youngest years, I wish I could pinpoint a year, I don't know, but I always had that question of, like, what do I want to be when I grow up? What's my calling and purpose in life? And I... I cared about that question and yet I had no idea. I was really fascinated by like, how do people figure that out? You know, at that question, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I was pinpointing it like that at, at young ages, but then as I got into school and then college, then I was really wrestling with that. Like, how do people figure this out? And a layer that I don't always share um, at Greenhouse is that I, uh, I think it was from maybe third grade-ish. I don't know. I basically grew up in the church. I became a Christian um, when I was a young teen. 
And then it added an extra layer of frustration because I saw two things in, in the kind of Christian world. One is you had people on stage talking about like, and then the lightning struck and I knew what my purpose was. And I always internally would be just frustrated. Like, but how, how did like, so am I just supposed to wait for that lightning strike? And how does that work? Um, I didn't understand that. And the second piece that frustrated me was you actually, at least at the time and where I was at, you had a lot of talk in the church world around um, like seeking purpose in terms of what you are wired to do or your career path. Like that's bad. That's selfish. Like your purpose is just to like be there and I don't know what, pray all day, like be a monk that, that serve God, just serve God. And like, <laughs> no one would say yeah. it, but I always wanted them to fill in the gap. So like, and what, what am I going to do all day that that's like this higher calling, you know? Well, and it, and it leaves a lot of people with the impression that unless you work in the church and unless you're doing something quote unquote spiritual, that you're not really doing something important that, just a job in business is a lesser yeah. calling. That's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. And it's almost like you and I talk about a lot, the kind of the and over the or. I mean, when you look back, not to get, you know, too Bible about it, but you look back at Genesis and work was good. It came before the fall. And so I do think there's elements of work that are good and part of what we're made to do. And holding that with the reality that work is not our purpose and our identify our core identifier. Right. But I think we live in this culture that says like, oh, what you do defines who you are. And so um, the church can kind of like knee jerk react to that and go extreme in the other way. So I wrestled yeah. with that. Like, yeah. So work is bad, but yet it's what we do all day. So shouldn't we care what we do? And it just it was just this whole messy question mark. for me. So there's always. It seems like for all of us as we get older that there's a necessary unraveling mm. of some of the uh, misdirections <laughs> that we've heard often in the church, but just uh, misconceptions about the way life will work, often that are way overly simplistic. Yeah, yeah. And then you get to the like people on stage saying, you know, the lightning struck part of it and I just think I wanted so badly for someone to demystify the whole career calling purpose thing. So like fast forward through college, I went to engineering school at University of Michigan, graduated, became an engineer, got married to Ashley. And um, it was like, okay, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> we had our first kid. We moved from Michigan to Richmond. I'm like, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And so as I started talking about that, I found that was actually a pretty common struggle, but maybe just people just didn't talk about it or they thought they were the only one. And, um, and yeah, I really wrestled with the, okay. Um, I thought about going into ministry. I thought about, I, I realized I was in the wrong area with engineering, but I didn't know what was the right area for me, but there was that struggle of like, well, you know, your calling is not, uh, like it, work is somewhat bad was like also a message in there. A lesser. A lesser thing. Yeah. Um, but I always thought, well, I, I mean, I remember going home from work every day thinking like I spend the majority of my waking hours at work. 
And so at least the way I'm wired, I really want them to count. Like I want it to be meaningful, purposeful work that makes a difference in the world. And it doesn't seem to me like that's a bad thing. Um, I don't share that part much with Greenhouse because most of the world does not think work is bad. They, they almost think it's, they're almost on the other end where they think it's right. too much of your identity. Yeah. Um, but I find in the church, a lot of people grew up with that messaging of like, work is somehow a bad thing. We're not supposed to care about what we do. So anyway, um, I was trying to figure that out. I didn't know how I was like sifting through personality assessments and reading books, and I just didn't know how to go about it. And I started creating this little like um, guide. I was like, well, I'm, you know, that's when my engineer kicked on. I'm like, I'm going to create like a guide that could help me and my friends figure out what to do with their life. And I'm just pulling different questions and introspective things from different places. And I'm kind of testing it out with me and friends. Um, but like fast forward again, and I was still feeling stuck and frustrated at work. And I wanted to talk to somebody who kind of cared about like work, but also family and marriage and also faith and spirituality and these different components together. And I'll save the longer story, but basically that's how you and I met. Right. Because you had started a mentoring ministry at our church and um, and you were one of the mentors. So we started getting together. And for anyone who doesn't know, we were having these regular breakfast meetings and you had also been working on something yeah. called life mission statement. That was also kind of like a guide and a process to figure out what you're going to be when you grow up or what to do with your life and how to make a difference and how to lean into your calling. And so I did some of that. You and I were having those conversations. And what was so fun for me is there were a lot of different voices and experiences that were helping me to find my way. But it was our conversations that really started to help things click for the first time. And we were working through the drafts of my life mission statement with your framework. And I'd done my own thing before, but it like wasn't clicking. Right. And then we did part of yours. And Never forget it. We had this one breakfast meeting where um, I was talking about like helping people figure out what to do with their life. And that's so much of what I want to do. You just kind of had this pause and you looked at me. You said, well, I bet you if you could help even your closest family and friends figure out their purpose and their calling in life, that would be really, really meaningful to you. And I just like started tearing up. You froze. I just froze. It was, it 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 was. Uh, I remember that experience like it was yesterday. It was mm -hmm. like everything stopped, and I, <laughs> I, it could just, I could just see something yeah. totally going on yeah. in you. And it was, it was, it was an amazing moment. It was such a cool moment. I mean, it still kind of brings emotion up for me because yeah. it was, it was like this thing for twelve years I had been questioning and trying to figure out, and really wanted an answer and I couldn't you know how you're like dancing around something sometimes for years and then something happens that makes it click and that conversation made it click and um I'd always been entrepreneurial I'd always wanted to start a company and that's when I started figuring out like oh this is what I want to start a company around <laughs> yeah well you know and what's what's funny about this and the same thing with with um you know my process of finding a life mission mm -hmm. statement um, and that's not really what this whole episode's about, but yeah. I, I just have to say, it's funny that in retrospect, these things that 
seem so difficult to come to come to grips with mm-hmm. seems so obvious in the rearview mirror. Yeah. It's like, what, Dumb. Steve? I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to help people? Like, yeah. obviously. That's your big aha. And, I know. But it just, it hits in a different way. And it was the same way for, for me. Mm-hmm. One of these things <laughs> that in the rearview mirror, you go, why was that so hard to figure out? Yeah. I mean, I think back and to your point, it's like, I loved this, these kinds of conversations, even as a kid. And I've always paid attention to and studied kind of like leadership and organizational, you know, type people. And then even in my very first jobs, I was like set up to be a mentor or a manager of people because they saw that in me. But I didn't see it in myself. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It is such a funny thing. Yeah. That's what I love about coaching, too. It's it's easier to point it out in someone else. Sure. um, Even though they need to have that. Right. Moment of clicking. So. So I was working at the time in at Capital One, kind of in the big corporate world, and decided to leave. Um, that was obviously a scary big step, and you really helped me think and plan through that a lot. I remember we had a lot of good conversations in that space of shifting to entrepreneurship, something you had done a lot of and had a lot of reps of what works and what doesn't. <laughs> Particularly the what doesn't. The what doesn't. Um, but what leads more to our topic today is I was thinking, you know, this whole, like, how do you balance it all? And how do you, how do you create balance in a busy life, especially for people who want to accomplish a lot and are, you know, whatever, by, na- by nature, busy and involved. I think for me, starting Greenhouse was where the rubber meet the road. Because, as you know, at the time I had new house, first baby. Like we had uh, responsibilities in life financially. Ashley had just stopped working. So we were reliant on my income and I'm deciding to leave a cushy corporate job (laughs) to make zero (laughs) dollars. And it was also very hard on the marriage side to work through the differences of opinion and plans that we had. And so as a person who's like, I'm not willing to compromise my marriage, you know, relationships, personal health and wellness. Like I wasn't willing to sacrifice that the way some people might enter starting a business, you know, okay with letting those suffer. I was like, no, I don't want those to suffer. And so for me, it's like the only option it felt like was to figure out how to balance this stuff. I mean, that's just how it felt, you know. I, like, yeah. I, I have to figure this part out. Well, and I love that because I think that um, too often people are willing to sacrifice balance because they believe that's the only option in a particular season of life. Uh-huh. And there's certainly seasons that, you know, having any semblance of balance is a tremendous challenge and you were in one of those but i love that and and i saw it as we talked through all of that that somehow you weren't willing to easily let go and say well i have to accept that for the next five (laughs) years balance is out the window i have to put family behind this need because this business is important for my family later. Yeah. You weren't willing to take those uh, easier mm-hmm. 
um, resolutions of it, and you were you were bound to say no. I know this isn't easy. I know I'll have to figure it out, but I actually want it all. Yeah, <laughs> I want to do the business stuff. I want to have my marriage and my faith as huge priorities. I want to be a good dad, and therefore. I'm going to need to figure this out. And yeah. I, I love that. That is so different from most people. Well, yeah, I, I really believed that. I really believed it was possible to kind of have all those pieces. I saw that in you, even though you wouldn't subscribe it to yourself. I saw that and heard that from others about you. And it's part of a huge part of why I wanted to kind of like come under your mentorship in that way and learn and but same thing, right? Like you, you weren't that way forever, and that's right. part of what brought you to where you did want to balance it all. I just really believed it was possible. Now I was a little arrogant and definitely learned some lessons that I thought, yeah. like right out of the gate, I'm going to make a ton of money and it won't be a problem. And yes, learned that wasn't true. Yes, <laughs> yes. I definitely had, you know, places where I was wrong. But yeah, I think in the long run, it served us well to believe that that could be a thing and to strive to, to kind of like aim for it. Yeah. Otherwise you, you, you give it up and there's no chance mm -hmm. of even getting close to it. Yeah. And even though, you know, it, it didn't come nearly as easily yeah. as, <laughs> as you imagine, I think back to my, you know, Weezy and I's early years of trying to build margin in our life uh -huh. and <clears throat> had this concept of, Oh, <laughs> God wants us to have space in our lives. I thought, well, now that I understand that, it's going to be easy. He's just going to make it happen real easy. Yeah. All I needed to do is know that that was okay. And it was yeah. fine. Yeah. And it was so much more difficult. Mm -hmm. But I needed the vision yeah. to begin to live into it. And that sounds like the same thing with you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think, can we get into that part? Yeah, now? absolutely. Yeah. Because um, one of the things I thought with this whole balancing it all and, and margin. And I thought, I think it's important. And because I do coaching work, I guess I should mention that. So yes. <laughs> so greenhouse, what we do is we, we coach people, both leaders and managers within organizations, and then also individuals for, you know, figuring out what's next with their career or trying to grow in a certain area of intentionality. And you also had a huge part in helping us like get it all started and you've been part of it, uh, part of coaching with Greenhouse at multiple points. But I think doing that kind of work has also given me another lens into all this, as you've probably seen too, through your coaching. One of the things I've recognized over and over is um, we tend to compare just as humans, we tend to compare ourselves, right? And one of the ways that I judge how I'm doing and where I'm at is by looking around me and saying like, okay, how am I measuring up to all them? And I think that can be a disaster when it comes to balance because literally different personality types have different capacities for like what they can take on. And so if I'm just looking around at other people who have higher capacities than me and I'm trying to become like that, I'm going to burn myself out or even yeah. vice versa. Like, if I have a higher capacity than this other person, then maybe there's more I can do that I wouldn't step into if I'm comparing. Yeah. And, a, and another angle to that, I think back when I was really, when I really hit 
a major struggling point and I kind of learned this les- lesson of margin and it was right around 1990. During that time, had four different businesses going on. I was uh, teaching, you know, every week in the church, mm-hmm. elder, we were beginning a family. Uh, I was one of those that you would have looked at from the outside and said, he has unlimited capacity. <laughs> and if I compare myself to him, you would have said all of those things. Mm-hmm. But what you wouldn't have seen is that I was doing an extraordinary job of putting on a face for most of the hours of the day and coming home completely spent, nothing left in the tank for my family or for myself. And I was spiraling down in a way that nobody could see from the outside. And so these these people we're comparing ourselves to, it's an outer veneer that may have nothing to do with what's going on inside of them. And I'm glad you made that point because that is exactly what's happening in the online space with most of the people we're comparing ourselves to on social media. Yes. And you and I see it because we're in the business world and we know people have a, a public persona and they might be looking like they're crushing it and they're doing all this stuff. But yeah, their relationships are completely suffering in a disaster. But you don't yeah. see that when you're following them because they're a great speaker. And they're not something. intentionally. I wasn't intentionally trying to deceive anybody. Yeah. I was just trying to do my best that I could yeah. and trying to get everything done with a good attitude and just running out of energy, Yeah, not having anything. What I wasn't trying to pretend. Yeah. And that's... So that's that's part of this comparing world. Yeah, it's a good point. And so one of my lessons has been to get to know myself better. Um, I love I love the area of self-awareness because if I can get to know myself better, then I can have more right-sized expectations of myself. All right, here is my capacity. Here's what I'm wired to do. And even in that journey for me, I've realized my capacity is lower than I thought it was because <laughs> like, wow. I was also, yeah. you know, different, but similar to your story where I was taking on a lot because I'm I'm able to, but it's not good for me and it doesn't bode well for me internally. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it is, um, you know, get that right size comparison. Uh, the... The other thing I was thinking about is that um, systems are the best tool I've experienced for trying to balance these different areas of life. Yeah. Let let me step back just for one more second on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you're talking about a very specific scenario of, of an entrepreneurial venture and the things that you're doing. Uh, while we don't compare ourselves to others, I'm always amazed at the commonality of what we experience, that these struggles to measure up, these struggles to have purpose, these struggles to juggle, uh-huh. all of these things are situations and the particulars might be very different. We might be in a completely different career or whatever, but it seems like to me that most people in our culture 
at least within a uh, an age range of you know twenty to sixty ish, uh-huh. uh, are struggling yeah. with this. Yeah, the particulars might be <laughs> really different. Yeah, but we're all struggling with it at the same level, and it would it would actually help us if we were all to say, yeah, you know, this is common. You know, I might look good on the outside, but yeah, I struggle with this too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good point. Um, so go go forward. You were talking about, beginning to talk about systems. Well, you and I, I love could, it. <laughs> I, like, I pause when we get to that because you and I could go for hours on, on systems. We're both, you know, big proponents of, of systems and rhythms because here's my take on it. Like every day, I might be emotionally and situationally in a completely different place. If I'm relying on my own like gumption and willpower and stick it outness, it's not like it's not going to happen. I can't balance these different things. Um, there's too many different things pulling at me. So, what I like about systems is, and I think that word scares people, but it just means yeah. like kind of a, a routine way of approaching things that it balances out those emotional and situational roller coasters. It's like the system is steady. So when I'm not, it's there for me. And um, I think instead of just like reacting to what life is throwing at me, it's more of a proactive stance. And so um, I, I often think about now the difference between my life in the corporate world versus now, which is still busy and still hectic and still a lot of demands, but I've kind of structured more and have these systems in place. And when my previous kind of corporate life went something like this, <laughs> uh, I would wake up in a panic. Um, I would wake up in a panic because my alarm, you know, alarms are super like loud and annoying to begin with. Why did we choose those noises for yeah. alarms? It's like, it would wake me up I hadn't slept well or enough and I'm immediately panicked because I'm late. I'm already running late to some meeting where important people are like waiting for an update. I'm not prepared to give. you know, that was the daily experience with a list that's way too long to accomplish. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, okay. That's the start of my day. Cool. Cool. Then I would rush to work, uh, which means definitely rushing at home with, you know, the people most important to me. I would basically do like five hours of email, just constantly hammering out emails. I've never understood people who like surf the internet or social media during work. I was like, when do they have time for that? Yeah. I'm like barely keeping up with the emails coming in constantly and all that in between meetings that are packed throughout the day, you know, trying to problem solve all these things going wrong, eating unhealthy. Cause there's definitely no time to think about food choices, <laughs> very little exercise. What I've realized now is that just little bit, uh, not very much physical movement during the day. And that took a huge toll on me. My breathing was short. And then it's like, okay, get done with that day. Get home, just like try to crash and watch some shows or something to wind down. Maybe like complain about the day a little bit and be fearful about the next day. Definitely not feeling any kind of like purpose or, you know, fulfillment about it. And then, you know, a few more worries and then go to bed. Yeah, which is crazy because uh, at, Capital One, at least when you left, you were doing purposeful work. It just, the way you were doing it couldn't feel purposeful yeah. or meaningful. I mean, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I mean, so many people have 
days like that. And I had uh, enough of those to realize like, that's not what I want life to look like. I don't think it has to be that way. I really didn't believe that. Um, and so, you know, starting to think about and implement systems when I started a business and could shape that more, that would, you know, change the dynamic of all those, uh, <laughs> all yeah, those parts yeah. of the day that I just described. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, one of the, one of the messages that I appreciate that I would love for more people to embrace is what you just said is when I started business this and when I could begin to shape things, mm. most people don't believe that they have the ability to shape their things. And particularly entrepreneurs don't. They think when I become an entrepreneur, I am now at the beck and call of clients and urgencies and needs and employees yeah. and a hundred other things. And I have less ability than ever in my life to shape everything. I am now, you know, a victim yeah. of everybody else's. And I think that everybody else's desires and needs. Yeah. I mean, parents even do it. I was just talking to a young married couple recently and they are they like want to have a kid and they're terrified too. And we were hanging out around a fire pit. So we got into, you know, they were starting to share a lot more. And basically at the end of the day, it was like, they see parents' lives and they are terrified because they don't want to lose their life to this child. Yeah. And me and my friend who have been married a while and with kids, we were both going like, where did you get that? It doesn't have to be that way. And they're like, yeah, it does. And so we got into sharing like some of our experience, which yeah, we're busy too. We don't balance it perfect either, but we started sharing about the different date nights. Like we had one just that past weekend where me and that friend, like both of us as couples went out together and the babies shared a babysitter for our kids, which they loved because they all got to play together. Right. And we had an awesome night out and it was really fun. And we do that regularly. And this younger married couple, they were, baffled they were like how did you guys do that and to make a longer story short basically what we were saying is well it just comes down to intentionality like we we made the plan we found a babysitter but we just we know so many parents who d aren't willing to put in that thought or aren't willing to get a babysitter whatever the reasons are and the same thing they just say yeah as an excuse well it's not possible to have more balance. Well, and I think to your point on systems, it's intentionality coupled with a framework, um, you know, a, an idea that you can repeat time and time again, which is really all a system is yeah. of saying, okay, date nights are a good idea. I want to approach this. I'd like to do this with some friends. Why don't we do this? And we're not going to just do it once. Mm -hmm. Let's do it on a regular basis. And yeah. now something that's really good and life-giving for everyone yeah. uh, becomes <laughs> part of your life. And that's that's the idea with the systems, I think, that yeah. we're talking about is with intentionality, think about the things that that you can choose to kind of put in your life mm -hmm. and then do on a regular basis, like we've talked about weekly reviews, yeah. you know, that you can do on a regular basis that in essence 
it, it sounds too simple, but it, it is almost as simple. Create automatic success. I think it is. Well, see, that's interesting to me. I do think it is that simple. I agree with you. And yet it's because it does take that intentional work of like, no, I'm going to do this and putting it in place. That part is hard, but it's, I guess it's like investments. I mean, it's worth it because then it keeps paying off over and over and over. Like, did you have, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Did you have a certain point in time when you're like, okay, I'm going to start implementing these kinds of systems or was it kind of a slow buildup for you or something different? Yeah, it was, I would say, more of a, a slow buildup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can remember listening to something, I think it might have been from Andy Stanley, on this idea of systems. Uh-huh. And as I recall, I think he was applying it to organizations. Uh-huh. And you know my wiring. <laughs> Anytime I hear something that's good for organization, I think, well, what would that be like on a personal level? Yeah. <laughs> and anytime I hear something good on a personal level, I go, I wonder what would happen if you put that in place in, yep. a, in a business. Mm-hmm. Right. So I always <laughs> just make that transference. So mm-hmm. I immediately began thinking, hmm, I so much believe in this idea of systems, of creating automatic success through doing the right thing yeah. regularly. And so I then began to experiment. That was the slow part. Experiment okay. with saying, all right, well, let me try it here. Hmm, gosh, that worked. Why don't I try it here? And yeah. then it then it just kind of began to build on itself. Yeah. Which really kind of means that everything that I've learned has just been through trial and error and mm-hmm. a lot of error. <laughs> and then I've kind of gotten to a point that go, well, okay, these things really work and share yeah. them with others. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, so that actually ties in with the the third thing I was thinking, which is the vision, like having a vision for your life guides your decisions so much more. And really, it's just another version of intentionality, right? You you were yes. able to get those systems in place because instead of just letting life guide you wherever, which is going to, you know, end up not, probably not where you want to be, you're kind of intentionally trying to put things in place. I think a challenge I see for a lot of people is, but they don't know where they're trying to head. And so then those decisions and those steps become really unclear. And when it's unclear, especially in today's distracted world, like we just don't even try because we have 2.5 seconds to try and like think about something. Yeah. And another uh, place that I find that people um, struggle with this, and, and I'm speaking probably more to um people of faith christians that mm-hmm. struggle with this is that they view making plans or having a vision as something that they're not supposed to do they're just supposed to follow god kind mm-hmm. of wherever yeah and they kind of become a puppet yep in the process and so this idea of creating a vision they go well that's my ideas yeah and The whole idea for me, I will say, of having a life mission uh, and the process that I also believe a lot in of um, understanding the guiding principles, Mm -hmm. you know, the non-negotiables that you want to live your life is that that's done in a conversation with God. That's done 
interactively and you participate and you listen to him. And so it's just as much his mission for you as your mission for yourself and for yeah. your own glory. And so, you know, it's, it's like what you were talking about in the beginning, this life mission. Well, do you just wait until a lightning bolt strikes? Yeah. Well, no, God, God works with us. We participate yeah. together yeah. in this. And he's wired you to have certain desires and skills and abilities for a reason. Like, yes, those are there from him. And this is one of the yes. things that drove me nuts in the church world. When I was like, wait a minute, how come everyone's making it sound like making our own plans or having our own goals is bad? Yes. Because you would never say that about anything else in life. Like you would never say, oh, well, gardens and flowers are not from God because they just grow by you watering them and planting them and taking care of them. Like, yeah, in fact, you don't even in create a garden because God's going to do just it. Pray not. It, just pray for it, right? Yeah. Just look <laughs> at the, look at the soil and you know, it's like, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. And I mean, having worked in the world of physics, I was like, same thing, like science and God, they're not separate. They very much go together. Yeah. In fact, science is like the discovery of what he created, which is, Hey, he put in, in place this process where there's soil and there's water and sun and then stuff grows. And we're supposed to be part of that. Like you don't have to just sit around in a monastery and pray for God to make the flower to grow. And it's not bad to go out there and water it and cultivate it. Like that's part of what he, how he set it up to work. And I think the same with us, like we are wired to have interests and skills and abilities and passions. And that's there for a reason. It's not bad to go after that and say like, oh, well that's in, I hear it in sermons all the time. Like, well, to have your own purpose or to kind of like have those goals is in opposition to your true purpose, which is just to be God's child. And I really believe it's both of those. Yes. I think, of course, our primary purpose is to be God's child. But like part of that means <laughs> doing the things that he's made us to do. Which we can think about very simply if we think about our desire for our children. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. when we think about that, we want to instill in them our heart for them and our heart for what's good for them and our values. But we want them to blossom into their version and mm. their way of living out in that. And we don't want to sit there and say, you know, wait for me to impose on you yeah. and to tell you the next step. We want to empower them, you know, to, yeah. to live their best life. And I think that's really very similar to what God desires for us. That's such a helpful picture, yeah. Because it would actually be sad as the parent if they were just waiting around doing nothing until you kind of like push some button or force them to do something. Right. It's like, why does God give us freedom? Because it's love involves that kind of interaction and choice and yes. co-creation. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, yeah. So I think anyway, the point there is the vision guides decisions. So if if you're wanting to balance these different parts of life, I think it's helpful to have a vision of where you're going so you know what steps and decisions I want to make now to move in that direction. Yeah. Um, the way I do it and with clients at greenhouses, we actually write it out like a chapter of a book so that it can be a, so you can actually feel yourself and picture what it's like in that vision. Um, you know, like when you read a good, I was reading a John Grisham novel at the beach the other day. I'm not much of a fiction, a fiction reader. So yeah. most people who are into reading are probably, scoffing at me but it was it was cool how i'm reading a page and it's like i can 
picture the whole scene. I can put myself there. And that's part of what draws out the emotion that's motivating. And so I like to write out my vision, not a bullet point list, but really explain what it feels like, what every day, what the day looks like moment by moment and what's happening, what the interactions are like um, so that I can feel what it would be like to have life that way. And then to your point, I'm not expecting that it'll go that way. (laughs) We've all seen that life does not go how we plan, but it gives a direction to know know, where to head. So go back over the the three points that you had. Well, I was thinking that one is recognizing that we all have different capacities. Okay. And not just comparing myself and be like, oh, well, Tommy can take on all this. So I must be able to do that too. Right. Which involves a, a fairly... Uh, deep work of self-awareness mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of that introspective mm-hmm. self-work. And then secondly, um, recognizing like systems help you to balance it all because we we can't juggle it all ourselves, but systems stay constant when we're not. Right. We can't recreate every day from scratch. Oh my gosh, that's yes. That alone is exhausting. I know. I know. <laughs> I've tried it too. Yeah. And then third, having a vision for for where you what you want life to look like and where you want to go um so that you know, all right, in my trying to balance these things, what are what are the trade-offs? Yeah. So if if someone has not done these types of things before, um, for for a lot of people, it seems like this idea of kind of intentionality and systems and vision and stuff is totally foreign. Yeah. Uh, is it hopeless? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and I think it's a good question because, yeah, those concepts can be like, okay, so what do I do with that? And I was thinking I'd actually share, and if you want to, you could too, like a few specific examples of rhythms and systems yeah that's great uh okay so i was thinking about this and you and i like to look at the different kind of categories of life relationships and work and spiritual and health and i started to list like okay here are the systems and rhythms that i that i've implemented that have worked well for me i was like yeah that's kind of boring how about we go with the things that I don't do anymore <laughs> oh, wow. because okay. I've probably kicked more things out of my life than I have taken th- new things on. So, okay. Just to name a few, cause the list is long. I was thinking, um, one of the first things I kicked out was just like saying yes to, to everyone and everything. I used to do that. <laughs> I was chronic. <laughs> yes to yeah. everything. And of course what happens with that is over time, usually for me, it would show up on the calendar, like just back to back packed meetings. And again, it wasn't until transitioning to starting a business where now I got to make a lot of money fast and like focus. I realized, wow, most of these things do not need to happen. They're Mm. not critical. They're not that important. It's just me saying yes to, to stuff that other people asked for. So I ditched that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll throw in one yeah. little example uh-huh. of, of that, that, um, I think about very particularly now because I, I, I do believe in the, in the power of no. Uh-huh. Um, and one no that I said was, I guess now probably about seven years ago, um, 
at church when uh, some people asked me if I was interested and willing to become an elder Mm -hmm. in church. Yeah. And kind of went through the process and listened to everything. And in the end, I said no, that I didn't want to do it. And the reason was because of the mentoring ministry. Yeah. uh The reason was because I went, if I say yes to that, I'm not going to be able to say yes to something else that's more really in the sweet spot of what I'm meant to do. And that was exactly the time that the opportunity to get involved in starting a mentoring ministry happened, (laughs) which then was the path to, to this. Yeah. So our yeses and our noes are so powerful. They're so powerful. And I think, again, I was, I used to be so busy. I never stopped to really weigh what a yes would bring with it. Um, It just felt in the moment like, well, it's harder to say no because I don't want to disappoint someone. And sure, you know, I like doing things. So yes. And now I find myself weighing out and thinking through much more deeply what this will entail. And funny enough, probably right after your, your, um, no decision there. I also was invited to be an elder at church. That's like one of my dreams. I would love to be. I mean, I would right. love to serve in that way so, so much. And I've said no three times in a row painfully because same thing. I realize what it's going to do is my marriage will end up taking the hit. And my past, past Steve would have said, oh, but you got to serve God and put God first. And again, I think I've gained a little more wisdom there now to know no, actually, he cares about my marriage like a lot. And so if right. that's going to suffer because of these extra meetings I have, I don't think that's a good, maybe yeah. it's for later. Maybe it's for someone else right now. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, it's not me like ditching God or something. <laughs> yeah. So the no's are very often no's to really good things yeah. and things that we might be able to do pretty well. Yeah. Well, I think that's another big one is just weighing Mm. trade-offs. I think that's a a healthy system. And um, another one I don't do anymore is morning meetings. Uh, I used to take so many morning meetings that I found my day was starting hurried and rushed and already behind. And just for me, I I need a lot of thinking time. I have a lot of work that requires like, a lot of thought or creativity and morning is, is a good time for that. And so I just stopped doing morning meetings. And again, I didn't even think that was possible. And now, you know, most mornings I have a few hours before any meetings right. start. I'm hearing the voices of a lot of people out there who are going, that is not possible. Yeah, I know. Me. Yeah. And it may not, that may not be your version, but that's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing that you did that. Well, and I know one of the hardest places to do that is like a really like high capacity corporate job because there's different people pulling at your time and you don't have say over it. They just put it on your calendar and it's there. Right. And if you don't do it, you're going to like get fired. So I will say that I've coached people in that situation and we've tried to make changes. And I've learned that, yes, there are people that's very, very hard to implement things like that. Right. But I've also learned that they have way more that their schedules and their roles are way more malleable than they realize. Absolutely. And I know you've seen the same. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the, the lesson that I hear in this is 
uh, the value of being creative in finding solutions that mm -hmm. the solutions, even the things that you want to test out about not having meetings in the morning. I mean, that very thought requires some creativity <laughs> to say, wow, wouldn't it be amazing? What could I do if I did this? So, yeah. you know, uh, having the time and the space to think broadly without boundaries about what is possible and being creative and then being courageous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I like about this, this episode is I hope it sparks a new idea for somebody of, Oh yeah. What if I tried this? I mean, just to rattle off a couple others, I, I ditched my alarm clock. I don't use an alarm clock anymore. <laughs> I ditched my Christian checklist. So I know a lot of You're, listeners. You did what? Yeah, I know. Right? It's like, I realized I had such a to-do list that I thought I needed to like perform for God every day. It was weighing me down, taking up a bunch of time. And it was actually unhealthy for my relationship with God. And so I, I kind of said, all right, I'm ditching that posture. So, so give me God. an example. I mean, I used to spend every morning. It's, I felt like I had a laundry list of things. You know, people might call it devotion or quiet time. I, I have to like read the Bible. I have to memorize some part of the Bible. I have to pray. I have to pray for all these different people and things. I have to, and if I don't do that, I just feel guilty and like already my day is a failure. So obviously a lot of those things are good and matter, and I still do a lot of those things, but I ditched the posture of feeling like God needs me to do this or else. And mm. I better do this and achieve for God because he needs me to do that. But I guess it was more the the posture of it that I ditched that I love was that. freeing. Mm -hmm. um, That's great. I ditched trying to do it all myself. I really le have leaned into delegation and you know even just like hiring out someone cleaning the house sometimes or mowing the lawn, like things that I actually grew up with a belief set that you shouldn't do and have found those have helped me to balance life better now. So I don't know, a variety of things, but I think what it all comes back to is what you are also a huge proponent of, and we've talked about a ton, is this idea of, a, I think you call it like a weekly review Right. I call it a weekly planning rhythm now, whatever you want to call it, a regular thing on the, on the books each week. That's like a meeting with myself to set all these other things in motion. Yes. Cause what I find is like, okay, I just, I have this huge list now of systems or rhythms that's now again, creating overwhelm to try and manage it all. But I think it's because we're just flying by the seat of our pants and like hoping we can rely on our memory all the time, like, oh, well, I should remember to do these things. And no, you won't because life's busy. And yeah. And so instead, there's like this weekly spot that never leaves the calendar where during that time I'm planning or putting in place all these other things. Um, and so if it's, hey, I want to ditch morning meetings every week, I'm looking at my mornings for the week ahead and saying, like, is it there? Do I need to make any changes? How does it look? Okay, cool. So instead of me needing to remember that, it's like the weekly planning is the one place where everything else happens. Yeah, well, huge proponent of the weekly review. Uh, I just think, I think we need, you know, you're talking about systems. I think one of the systems we need is 
to create regular repeatable spaces mm. in our life. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, practicing the Sabbath very imperfectly, but practicing the Sabbath is a regular space. It, it's a non-negotiable space, a weekly review. It's just a space. Yeah. Now, I have a few things that I do, <laughs> uh -huh. but you know, three years from now, that list might change. You know, the list is not what's sacred. Yeah. What's sacred is creating the space that the right things, you know, can happen. I believe in goal setting, you know, an annual at least space uh -huh. that I do that. Uh, I think there are spaces that we create for relationships, mm -hmm. you know, um, that are so critical. And so it's kind of like if you, if you can eliminate enough of the, um, superfluous yeah. things like uh -huh. you've talked about, you know, phenomenally well, and you can create these rhythm of spaces that the right things can happen and that you can entertain possibilities yeah. and make sure you're staying true to your priorities, mm -hmm. then the, the chances of staying on a good trajectory in your life are incredible. Well, it's kind of funny you say that because it almost loops back to where we started. Um, I, I'm envisioning the fact that, okay, let's say... Previous Tommy had no space in his life, <laughs> no rhythms. And this is not the real story, but let's say to make it simple, you sat down at one point, you heard this podcast episode and you're like, man, those guys, they're awesome. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> and you just sat down. Back to and, our arrogance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you sat down and you planned once and you were like, all right, I'm going to put these spaces into place on my calendar as a recurring thing. Then from there, like, yes, that was hard. That was a hard step. But from there forward, all that other stuff we're talking about is not burdens and to-do lists. It's actually going to take care of itself. It's going to be automatic because you sat down and did created the spaces once. Right. And Ashley loves, have you heard of um, The Lazy Genius, Kendra Adachi? I have heard of it, okay. but I don't, I don't know much about it. Yeah. So she has a podcast and we're always joking about it because Kendra Adachi does similar work as me, but my wife likes her version better than mine <laughs> so Whoops. she's yeah she's always quoting kendra and i'm like but i i said that too and um so much for the arrogance i know because i'm terrible <laughs> with like naming things i'm not cutesy with stuff she loves the catchy phrases that kendra creates so i gotta give her credit she came up with the phrase um plan once i think that's how she says it like plan mm -hmm. once and it's exactly this concept, like create the system one time. That's the hard part. And then it, it takes care of the rest for you almost on autopilot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I do think there's something about that. I could see someone listening to this episode feeling overwhelmed at the thought of making all these changes or implementing these different kinds of systems. But I actually don't think that's how it feels. It actually feels really easy because it's kind of like you plan it once and then it, it runs itself or it, it, it kind of guides you in yeah. place of you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, really a great place to, to start on that is to start some kind of weekly space Yeah, that you just look ahead, do, yeah. do whatever you want during that uh -huh. time. 
<laughs> there's so many good things that you can put and you don't need hours. You yeah. Know? You just need a little bit of space every week. So the kind of that one thing. And I think both you and I just hearing this even more, I see this, both you and I have benefited in immense ways now for years out of the value of creating that weekly yeah. uh, space to just think about what's important yeah. and to plan what you want to be happening, yeah. however you want to look at it. But that, that to me right there is a, a game changer, but I love all of the things. It's just, uh, it's affirming and you say it in a little <laughs> bit different ways than, than I often say it. And it's just, it's phenomenal. It's fun. Cause a lot of this was you inspired me or taught me and, um, or I, you know, saw something you were doing and it helped me shape my version. I think one of the most practical places I can think of, and I know through coaching, a lot of people's experiences similar is marriage. Like I want to be intentional with my marriage relationship. It is one of the most important things in my life. And yet it actually falls to last place most days because our job pays us. Like our job is a priority. The kids are, you know, need us and they take a priority or whatever. And so just boiling it down to that one example, like the weekly system is where I can say, oh, okay, I remember now my marriage matters. So let's plan a date for this week or let's pick a time where we can hang out and chat over coffee or whatever we need to do. Without that system of the weekly thing, our marriage falls by the wayside for years and years and years. And we've experienced that. But with that system, it's just that little spark every week to put something in place that'll keep us yeah. moving forward together. And I mean, I don't know. To me, that's one of the most practical like examples of how it pays off. Oh gosh, that's that's so good. There, it's just it's limitless. You know, yeah. kind of once you you kind of just begin with. I, I like your simple three steps of kind of the the self-awareness and not comparing, you know, some systems, just a few yeah, and a vision yeah. for which, you know, then uh, so many things kind of take care of themselves. And I think this has been very true for both of us personally, but mm. then we've also had kind of the joy of seeing it make a difference in, in other people's lives too. Yeah. So, yeah. The balance is possible. Is it perfect? No. Yeah. And whatever. It's yeah. not the goal anyway. <laughs> yeah. But more balance uh, versus less, I think, is definitely possible. Definitely possible. I love that. So um, in wrapping this up, I'd love to just make sure that um, people listening know how to contact you or stay in touch with the things that you're doing because you've built a phenomenal business and a phenomenal team and have such incredible resources that I want to make, and I can put the stuff in the show notes, but sure. <laughs> uh, just real quickly, how do people yeah. find you and what you're about? Well, um, since they're listening to a podcast or watching it, we have a podcast called Career Sweet Spot. Okay. It's on all the platforms, including YouTube. Um, and fun nugget, if you want to Scroll all the way back. I think we're on episode hundred and something. Like we're we're up there. But if you scroll all the way back, you'll find a whole bunch of episodes with me and Tommy 
um, because we started that podcast together. So that's a fun one. And then... And Career Sweet Spot, by the way, is not all just about career. Right. So yeah. So if you go, well, I'm not really in that it's need right point. now, yeah. it, it actually goes way beyond just career stuff, even though it has a lot to offer there too. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a good point. Most people comment and the first thing they say is, I love how this is holistic about like right. my life in, yes. in whole. Um, and then our website has most of the other stuff, greenhousecoaching.co. .co. .co, C-O. Um, and yeah, we have, it's been fun. We've been growing and have a lot of new coaches on the team. So we have uh, 10 coaches now. <laughs> That's amazing. And they're spread across the country. We have two in Canada, one in London slash Spain. So we've, we're pretty much, we've gone global, Tommy. Um I never doubted it. <laughs> uh, That's but no, so great. It's actually just really fun because yeah. people can tap into coaches with different experiences or perspectives or strengths. Um, and so, yeah, we tend to work with companies and individuals. And there's we also have resources online um, or on the social media. So, yeah, people can. Yeah, and I that. would encourage a lot of people who are listening who have access to companies. Uh, they're either running them or they're involved in leadership. Uh, you know, some of the workshop things that you are doing, which cross and kind of integrate personal and leadership and strategy and everything else are phenomenal. Uh, and I think you have a real gift for both creating and leading those workshops. So, well, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited about one coming up in a couple of weeks. And it's a company that's growing really fast. We've been working with them for a while. They're based in Atlanta. And so now the leader, and they got bought out by a big bank. And so they realize, wow, we have to really, the leaders realize, I have to change something. I've got to step it up. And so we're doing an offsite personally for the CEO. And then his leadership team is going to join him the next day. And we're really starting with personal vision and goals. And what does he want his life to look like? Him and his fiance have been starting to have those conversations and realize how much of the work stuff is dependent on that and vice versa. And then we bring in the team and start to plan rhythms for their team mm. and what needs to, to be in place. So, I mean, that stuff. Gosh, I get so jazzed I, I just, just cheering about it. Oh it's my gosh. incredible. I could just yeah. do that every day. <laughs> it's I, so fun. Well, this has been a phenomenal conversation and uh, I love it. And uh, for those listening, just a little sidebar on this. This is the second take on this podcast. Yes. We actually record, <laughs> recorded this entire podcast only for me to get into my incredible editing skills and realize <laughs> the audio was totally messed up. So this is a oh retake yeah. on everything. And I'm, uh, I don't remember everything that we did say, but, but I've, I've loved this conversation. There's yeah. Sorry. The gold that was lost. No one will ever know. Maybe we, <laughs> maybe Weezy caught part of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, thanks for, coming and taking the time for this and oh, thanks for having uh, me we'll on. have to do it again soon this is so fun thanks. thanks bye thanks everyone